Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Welcome in, White Sox fans. Happy Friday night. It's very happy. White Sox win three to nothing tonight. Top the Kansas City Royals open the series in KC. Uh, I'm Johnny Nani alongside N- NWI Steve here tonight. Uh, Steve, how you doing, my man? Hey, yo, Johnny. Doing really well, man. Always nice to get a Friday night winner. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, lot to like. That's the title of this episode, Steve. A lot to like. We were talking about it right before we jumped on. A lot to like, not a whole lot to bitch about. So I'm excited to get into all of this with you, break it all down. Uh, before we do a little housekeeping, per usual, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter and Instagram at SoxOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. And once again, if you are looking for White Sox merchandise, Grandstand is the place to go. You can shop online at GrandstandSox.com and visit them on social media at GrandstandSox. So let's get right into this, Steve. Uh, theme tonight, obviously, Carlos Rodon takes the bump. Uh, they had a very nice outing from the whole pitching staff tonight, uh, from Rodon, obviously, and then the bullpen guys that came in. You wrote an article today, this morning, on OnTapSportsNet.com about pitching, picking up the slack in these major absences in the lineup. Go ahead, elaborate on it. I want you to get all these thoughts out here in podcast form as well. Listen, th- this game today really was the epitome of what I was talking about here this afternoon with my re- most recent piece of the starting pitching needing to pick up the slack here, given the absences of Aloy Jimenez and now Luis Robert and kind of the still stalled production offensively out of Jose Abreu and Adam Eaton and some of the other guys. But you looked at it, Carlos Rodon again a continuation of what we have seen from him throughout the first six weeks of this season here, going out aggressive in the strike zone, attacking guys, missing bats, just another quality outing out of him, utilizing his really hits his fastball command more than anything else. That has been the major reason why we've seen this turnaround from him this year. Um, Benetti and, and Len Casper were talking about this at a couple different points throughout the game here tonight that, Carlos Rodon, 2016-2017, isn't having this kind of outing. He, you know, a couple sequences there, maybe the second, third inning, he falls behind a guy 3-0, 3-1, and then the wheels kind of fall off. But 2021, Carlos Rodon is not allowing that to happen. And that's all predicated on the improved fastball command here and then being able to set up to utilize that wipeout slider. And it's just, you know, the, the momentum train for Carlos Rodon continues to keep going here. And it, it's just going to be very nice to see this thing continue here uh, going forward. And it's a thing of beauty. You love to see it, especially because we knew he had the stuff and it was wrong. That's why he was a number three draft pick overall uh, back when the White Sox selected him. Um, but like you'd mentioned, the command issues, that was always a problem for him. We knew he had the nasty stuff and it would be a game. I think there was a Cubs game where he struck out, what, like 11, but still walked like six or something like that. And it's you can't have that if you want to be consistent and go and have some longevity in these outings. And he has been able to do that much better. Harness the command uh, here in 2021. So love to see that. Uh, Los ends up finishing 
six innings tonight, five hits, uh, no earned runs, uh, no walks, and eight strikeouts. So uh, very nice line uh, right across the board there. Um, and let's stay on pitching theme right here because we had Hoyer, Bummer, and Hendricks here. And I know we'll get to the ninth inning kind of theatrics a little bit that played out uh, as we get into the scoring and significant play breakdown here. Um, but you've talked about some of these bullpen guys needing to find consistency as well as another part um, of your article there. Um, and we saw a good Cody Hoyer tonight. We saw a good Aaron Bummer tonight. So elaborate on them a little bit. Yeah, Cody Cody Hoyer and Aaron Bummer, they had their their A-level stuff here tonight. Hoyer just going out, just pounding people with with that hard, heavy fastball there. And Aaron Bummer wiping out, wiping out the left-handed hitters there with that nasty, hard, biting slider, pounding them inside with the cutter to the right-handed hitters. This is what you're looking for as far as being able to have that bridge from that starting pitcher to get you to Liam Hendricks. This is how they drew it up at the start of the season when they reported to Glendale, and this was executed to a T here tonight. So, Aaron Bummer's had a couple of really solid outings in a row here, so hopefully he's able to be building that momentum now, and it will be interesting to see Cody Hoyer kind of build on this because this is one of the things they talked about as well. He'll have a real strong outing, and then seemingly that next time out, he kind of falters a little bit. So really, if these two guys can can really stabilize things, right the ship, and get on a nice little run here, this team's going to be in a real solid position. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the consistency, too, with a guy like Hoyer, because we know the stuff is nasty. We saw, uh, you know, uh, that for the most of last season. And then it's been flashes here, like you'd mentioned, like a good outing and then uh, one where he gets roughed up or it's not the A stuff that's on. He's not able to work himself out of uh, some of the jams that uh, end up happening. So uh, I was very encouraged and uh, I don't want to sound greedy, selfish or anything here, uh, but it, it's about time. About time. But then also I do need to uh, say the uh, weeding after that is that we need to see it going forward too. It can't just be a one-off thing because this could be one of his good outings and we don't want to see bad Cody Hoyer the next time out. So let's start stringing together those, uh, like you talked about the importance of uh, within your article. So uh, let's get into a few more, uh, you know, kind of notes here, uh, here hits, runs they're back we didn't see them on Wednesday afternoon uh in Cincinnati so uh good to have those back in some timely ones at that Jose Abreu had a big one we'll get into the exact uh scoring plays here uh in a second uh pretty hilarious my, my, Johnny my sources yeah. can confirm that scoring runs will indeed help you win baseball games yeah I you know what I love to say is more runs more fun I, I had at least three rounds of fun tonight and that was way more than I had on Wednesday afternoon so uh you, you love to see that um and and that other that could be just funny to see Irvin Santana uh, in the game for the Royals, you know, former White Sox for a very, very brief uh, amount of time when they're patchworking some things along. Was that early uh, 2019 or so? Uh, so th- I just thought that was another funny kind of initial thought here. Think, think, uh, think about this. We had we had Irvin San- we had an Irvin Santana sighting in a game when Casper and Benetti were talking about Matt Latos's brief tenure with the Sox in 2016. Yes. Yeah. I, I got a good laugh out of that too. And they're doing kind of the initial thing and, and the Michael A. Taylor initials, they're comparing it and like, Oh, Matt Latos, he only spelled it with one T. Uh, yeah. Just the random things that can come up, the random names uh, from white Sox past that can come up on a broadcast at any time. So let's get into the scoring here because white Sox did finally score runs. As I alluded to uh, in the top of the fifth, it's Zach Collins, uh, one out solo shot, dead center. Uh, I love a good dead center home run, Steve. Uh, I feel like a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of guys, it's natural to be, pull heavy or whatever if you're a power hitter um or you know we got yoan who's got a sweet swing you can kind of 
chop it the other way uh, and get a ball out. Um, but Zach Collins going dead center. It was like, you know, it's similar, maybe a little bit more dead center than his first career home run when he came up at Texas a couple of years ago. Uh, but, but I like seeing that and that gets the boys going here tonight. Kind of interesting to hear Benetti and Casper talking about the fact that coming into this game, the Sox were actually tied for last in the major leagues in terms of their total number of home runs that they've hit to this point. And it's really fascinating if you think about it, because this is an offense that is predicated on the long ball, particularly given the home ballpark that they play in. So to kind of see that power outage here in the early part of the season is very surprising. Um, But to your point, Johnny there, I mean, look, you know, Zach Collins taking that pitch out to dead center in Kansas City. That is no small feat right there. And you look at the two home runs he's hit this year, dead central in Kansas City and then right center at um, now T-Mobile Park up in Seattle. So when he's hit when he's hit the ball out of the ballpark, he has not hit cheapies. So, you know, hopefully he can kind of string together a few more of them here. Uh, definitely need to start getting some more production and some more offensive output from the catching position here. And hopefully Zach Collins kind of gets that train going here tonight. Yeah, it was good. You know, you talk about getting a train going for that in general. And then obviously tonight, because that was the first run of this game made it one to nothing in the top of the fifth uh, for the White Sox. Um, White Sox uh, would go and score right again uh, in the top of the six. Tim Anderson. uh, So we're getting third time through the order here on Brad Keller. He was pretty effective. I'll give him credit. Was pretty effective. First time, first two times through. But in the third time around, very nice to see Mr. Tim Anderson started off uh, with a uh, excuse me one out double here, and then uh, Adam Eaton he brings him home RBI single. Adam Eaton's back from the dead, everybody. And uh, after that, man, Jose Breu two out, two strike uh, RBI double makes it three zero. That would be all of the runs scored in this game. Uh, but clutch spot from Pito there. Good to see Adam Eaton back, and also Timmy straw that stirs the drink. Steve, you're right. You're right, Johnny. Listen. Brett Keller really looked very strong through the first four innings of this game, or excuse me, through the first five innings of this game. And the quality of the White Sox at bats overall was pretty piss poor, if we're being completely honest. They were extremely passive. Uh, probably through the first three innings of this game here, first time through the order, really taking a lot of pitches and a lot of strikes, uh, particularly to close out at bats. And they just were not having the aggressiveness that we are accustomed to seeing from, from this team. So I'm not sure if they just simply weren't picking up the ball tonight. You know, Keller's stuff did look a little more crisp than it has in some of his recent outings here. But, you know, this offense just really did not put together very strong at bats for those first two times. And again, you know, Casper was talking about this fact that Keller going third time through the order is really problematic. And and Mike Matheny being who Mike Matheny is decided, Hey, I'm just going to let this happen here. I'm going to let him go. And then the top of the order gets to him. And as you mentioned, great to see Timmy be the one to kind of get that thing started there with that nice opposite field double there to, uh, to right field. I thought he got all of it initially off the bat there, but, uh, you know, then it kind of died a little bit and then just stringing together some nice hits. Adam Eaton, Jose Abreu, two guys that have been very inconsistent to start the year. A couple of big clutch RBI hits here really to kind of put this thing away. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if Adam Eaton's battling uh, a bruised knee, uh, and I'm sure, you know, he's just kind of some general uh, being banged up uh, for him. So uh, good to see him produce uh, in that spot as well. And then as Tony, uh, our guy, Tony Marchese, loves to say MVP shit from Jose. I mean, that's just a clutch spot. Uh, but what we've been used to him, you know, two out any anytime RBIs, but man, especially two outs. And that was a one, two count uh, that, that he took that double out uh, to uh, left center, I believe there. So um, very nice to see. And that would be all the scoring uh, in this game. We don't have anything to talk about Royals wise 
obviously because it was a three Oh final. Uh, but I did want to just highlight in the fourth, uh, just backtracking slightly here. Uh, that was kind of the only real threat to Carlos Rodon. Um, and that was, you know, Santana hit a one out single Perez singled after that. Uh, but then he gets Soler and Dozier both to strike out there. Uh, what'd you like from him seeing response wise here from Los uh, to be able to kind of shut the door on the Royals, uh, only eh, legitimate, you know, half legitimate threat here. Yeah, it was it was interesting because the the two hits in that inning to Santana and to Carlos Perez were both on changeups. So his change certainly was not as effective tonight as it has been in some of the earlier starts. And I feel like they were trying to maybe feature it a little more than they have to this point. Um, so he gets himself in the, in that kind of tough spot, and then he really went away from it, uh, getting Solaire and and Dozier to strike out using the fastball again to put those at bats away there and get out of that jam. So making some nice adjustments from at bat to at bat with the pitch sequencing and getting yourself out of it and keeping the game scoreless. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's move on to when the next kind of real action would happen, and that would be in the top of the seventh. White Sox would threaten again uh, with a Collins leadoff walk, followed by a Vaughn single. Hamilton pinch runs for him. Uh, Lurie lays down a sack bunt, so we get him to second and third. Uh, but then Madrigal grounds in a short, and we had this odd play uh, where Collins was cut down between home and third, and he runs back towards third base, but then kind of gives himself up at the last minute. It was kind of ambiguous. Did Salvi tag him? Did he not? And then obviously runs into the base and tags Hamilton, who is standing on third there calls reviewed uh upheld on the field so they did say that collins gave himself up and he was out there um uh, any insight on this play uh because like benetti said he's like oh we wish that was clear and they'd explain it kind of like a you know hockey or football sort of thing uh there so uh, any uh comments from you uh, on this bottom of the seventh scenario it should be top of the seventh scenario it, you know, it, it was a really odd play because initially I thought Perez had actually tagged Collins before he got to the bag. So at that point, looked it like it to me looked, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it would have really been a moot situation there. But then after they looked at the replay, he, you know, Collins, you know, obviously never touched the bag. Um, once once he got close to it, then he kind of like stepped around it and then and then uh, kind of kept going through the baseline there a little bit. So. Um, when they when they went to the review initially, I was like, "What what the hell are they even possibly going to review here on this?" Um, and as you as you mentioned there, Johnny, I mean, just the the lack of clarity that comes from it. And I know a lot of people will kind of poke fun at the NFL and the way that they do some things with the instant replay aspects of it, and some of the crazy ass explanations that some of the referees will give for calls during the course of games, but. To me, there's there's almost part of me that really believes that having some sort of clarification from the officials after a play is reviewed would really be beneficial in these circumstances. At least puts something on the scoreboard that can then be communicated by the broadcast teams there so that people that are watching this game kind of know what the hell the thought process was and what exactly was going on. Well, I, I know one thing, you know, I agree. I would like to see all that. And just even if you just put a little graphic up, whether that be if you're in the stadium on the scoreboard, even, you know, because it's not like NFL where they're going out to, you know, midfield and doing the announcement with a microphone or anything like that. I get that. But even if you put up a graphic on the scoreboard so the people in the stadium know, and then a little graphic for uh, both the TV broadcasts, I think that would be beneficial as well. Uh, one thing, you know, despite the you know lack of clarity there, I know one thing would be very clear if that would have resulted in both runners being out, it definitely would have been Tony LaRusso's fault. So, 
let's move on. Um, all right. As we get into uh, the bottom of the ninth, that is where the next little drama uh, would happen here. And this is with Liam Hendricks in the game. Uh, Salvi Perez leads off the double. I uh, got to tip your cap to him. Uh, he is a good player, and he was really solid tonight. Was he four for four? I believe that was, uh, you know, he was perfect on the night. Uh, so he leads off with a double down the left field line to start things off, uh, off Liam Hendricks here. And then Soler reaches on a catcher's interference. Oh, my God. Someone besides Yaz can do a catcher's interference. Unbelievable. Um, okay. After that, uh, Dozier and O'Hearn, uh, Hendricks gets both of them to strike out. Uh, Taylor uh, singles back up the middle. Nice job by Timmy to stop it. He does throw behind the play. They don't get him at third, but uh, at least it wasn't a wild throw. Uh, that would have led to a run scored there. Uh, and then eventually Lopez flies out to end this. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to be talking about the, uh, you know, kind of Liam Hendricks heart attack stuff that, that is going on here. Um, but, you know, and end of the day, he, he did get the job done, and he also got screwed uh, on a little bit of a call there. I mean, he doesn't have any control over catcher's interference. So, um, you know, uh, thoughts on Liam Hendricks so far and what you saw tonight? He He's definitely putting himself into some jams uh, with quite a bit of regularity, more so than I think a, what a lot of us anticipated when he was acquired here this winter. You, and you're right. Johnny, th- this catcher's interference shit, it's just getting to be ridiculous at this point here. You know, obviously, Yaz has had his well-documented issues on it. Brian McCann had some issues with it as as well um, last season. So I, I don't know if there's just something going on with the way that White Sox catchers are being taught as far as to – from, from maybe a framing standpoint, if there's something that they're trying to do that is making them more prone to this than a lot of the other teams out there in, in the major leagues. And, you know, I, I watch a lot of games on, on MLB TV. I'm usually watching four to five games at a time here. And I don't think I've seen maybe but two or three catchers interference watching all the other games in the last, you know, two seasons here. So, Something that the Sox are doing, I think, is unique to their catching process versus other teams in the league. And they got to kind of figure this out because this can't keep happening because you're continuing to put your pitchers in very difficult situations here with additional base runners. And to do that in the ninth inning, um, something's got to get addressed with this from an organizational standpoint. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's I think that's a factor of uh, I think we talked about it, you and I, uh, on a previous episode way back uh, in the beginning of April when when we had an instance of a catcher's interference as well, uh, that it's Jerry Naren uh, and the catchers only sit down together and do some drills, whatever, work it out, whatever it may be, whether it's mechanics of it, the approach of where you're setting up and how far you're lunging out, whatever it may be figure it out because we don't want to be giving away free bases, especially this one coming in crunch time. Luckily does not come back to bite the white Sox here. No run scored obviously uh, for the Royals in this game, but still it, it could be costly at a point in time. So, um, and like you'd mentioned, seems to happen more frequently. That may be a little bias here for us since we're watching this team day in day out. So I agree with you. I watched some games too, but it's not like you're, dialed into everyone and looking to where, you know, each how guy got on base or if you turn it on and there's two guys on, you know, go and look back. Oh, well, did they have a catcher's interference or whatnot? Um, so it, it may it may happen elsewhere, too, uh, but it does seem to happen a little bit frequently here with the White Sox. So I think that's a uh, both on all the catchers, uh, every single one of them on the White Sox roster and within the system. And then Jerry Naren and also catching instructors throughout uh, the minor league system as well, because you don't want to be uh, breeding that sort of thing uh, for guys that would be possibly coming up in the future so uh that, that's where i would stand on that but overall like i said a lot to like about this game overall i mean carlos Rodon is just it's a 
excellent start to the season, and that's an understatement for him. It's an outstanding start to the season, really. Uh, so I'm really happy to see him, uh, you know, on track and looking like that number three overall pick uh, that we all kind of hoped for and knew that he had the potential to be. Uh, he's finally all harnessing it here now. Uh, and like I mentioned, the, the bullpen performances, uh, I, I like the inning from Aaron Bummer. I think we kind of glazed over it because there wasn't any significant things, but that's a good thing when we're talking about the bullpen. We don't need to go into what happened and go play-by-play and whatever. He struck out two guys. I think he allowed a single after that, yeah, to Benintendi, and then a ground out, and that's just classic Aaron Bummer right there. So I like to see him getting back to form. No question, Johnny. Aaron Bummer was kind of back to that slaying mentality that we saw from him 2019 and 2020 before he had the four or before he had the biceps issue. Um, so, and, and again, he's kind of strung together two or three quality outings in a row here. So if Aaron Bummer is back to normal here, all of a sudden now you've got yourself a lethal weapon at the back end of this bullpen that you could deploy in a number of different spots, whether it's, you know, in a sixth inning or seventh inning scenario where you got a couple guys up base and you need to get one key out or you can, can line him up versus the opposition lineup the way that they did tonight with the two lefties and, and the one righties kind of sandwiched in, in the middle there. So um, Aaron Bummer's versatility really gives Tony LaRusso a lot of different options. And if he is, you know, hashtag back to where he was 2019 and 2020 here, the Sox are going to be in a much better position from a bullpen management standpoint. So I agree with you 100%. That was great to see out of him tonight. Just another general observation. This plays into Aaron Bummer too, uh, but I, I love nice aesthetics and both Carlos Rodon slider and then Aaron Bummer's is a little bit more bite to it, but the sliders were just beautiful tonight for both of them. Uh, I don't know about you. I just love seeing a nasty pitch, something that you could easily see on pin, pitching Ninja throughout the game. Uh, the next day, if he's putting, uh, if Rob Friedman's putting together a highlight compilation of a certain guy in a sequence or whatever. Uh, but I, I like, you know, when we get Dylan Cease, I like, you know, drop the hammer. Uh, and when we get these guys, I like the bite slider uh it's always nice to see carlos rodon is a guy that when he was coming out of nc state i mean there were a lot of scouts that put like a 75 grade slider on him so i mean that's top shelf stuff right there and we we've really seen that for almost the entirety of this season here to this point and it's it's fascinating because you know friend of the show white Sox dave um you know was was talking back in spring training that you know some of the conversations he had had with carlos rodon was that he felt he was more motivated this year than he's been at any point in his career. Now, you know, there's a lot of things that you can say about that, about Carlos Rodon's preparation and his motivation to this point in his career. But in some aspects, maybe, maybe being non-tendered was the final wake up call that he needed to say, Hey, I got to get my ass in gear. I was a number three pick for a reason. It's time for me to go out there and to show it. And, and then maybe Ethan Katz, maybe just having that different voice and that different messaging. Um, it, it's been talked about a little bit as far as his utilization of his lower half more this year than he had at any other point in his career. But Carlos Rodon just looks like a completely different guy this year. And this is the guy that the White Sox drafted number three overall here. And it's it's nice to finally see this come to fruition. So you put the two points in there about the, uh, you know, kind of wake up call uh, w- with the non-tender and then Ethan Katz. I think both of those very legitimate. You've explained them beautifully. I don't need to elaborate anymore. Another thing is health. Uh, that's, you know, obviously the injury issues have plagued him here. So he's healthy now. The White Sox have had enough injuries to keep players here so far. So we're summoning good vibes for Carlos Rodon. N- no injuries. 
let's keep it going. And, you know, he's not going to be perfect and he's not going to win every single game. He's probably not going to go seven to eight in every single game uh, going forward or, you know, whatever. He's probably going to slip up every once in a while, but let's continue that. And if he can stay, you know, uh, consistent, you know, probably not at this pace, like I'd mentioned, uh, but at a, you know, very, very nice clip. I think that, uh, you know, as long as he stays healthy, it's looking like he can very much do that. So uh, that was the other factor I wanted to point out with him. Um, other than that, from this game, you got final thoughts, and then we can uh, roll it into Saturday's preview. I think we pretty much covered everything here. This was just uh, overall a really clean performance here. We saw some nice defense. Uh, again, just quality starting pitching there for, from these guys. And, you know, ninth inning hiccup aside here, there's just there there wasn't really anything to, to complain about tonight. And it's nice, again, to have one of those nights. Indeed. And you talked about defense real quick. I'll just shout out Tim Anderson uh, real quick for um, th- there was one earlier in the game. It didn't look like, you know, kind of looks like a routine play when you're just watching kind of uh, maybe nonchalantly on the TV. But when you go and look at the replay and the way it hit off of lip, uh, kind of it, it was a tough play that kind of ate him up a little bit, but he's still able to go and make that throw over. So uh, sound from Tim Anderson and then also uh, keeping the ball from going to center field in the ninth inning. That was big as well. Um, yeah, it's a huge play. Uh, it, at least when I first saw it, I was like, oh, man, don't throw it. Like, you know, I thought because I thought it was going to be wild. It looked like it was kind of out of control. But luckily, it was right on target. And Yohan did apply a tag. But, you know, granted, runner was back in uh, at third. So uh, I do need to commend Timmy there, though, because uh, those are a couple of big plays that might get um, overlooked in a game like this because they're not extreme highlights. So in that particular spot right there, throwing behind Perez actually I think is a pretty heads up play. Oh, from, I, I, from, I think I think it is too. I I thought the motion of it looked a little okay. wild. That's all. That's all. Okay, I got you. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. If you can go and cut him down, I mean that, that's a huge help. You know, you're taking away that lead runner there. Absolutely. I just like just when I was watching on the first before they showed it in slow mo and all of that, um, the way he turned because obviously he dove to his left when he was picking it up, and then when he turned, it looked like he kind of like you know, was doing a uh, roundabout sort of thing and, and throwing sidearm. That's what it looked like to me because obviously his back is shielding where his arm is on there, but it was a clean throw. Mankata caught it, you know, right there on the bag. So it was no problem. It just visually scared me for a second because that's the kind of thing that when I see that, it's like, oh man, is that going to go to the dugout? Is it going to go in the dugout? Are they going to get extra bases because of that? So that was the only thing uh, that I had there. But uh, overall, I think that's it. And that wraps up this game. Once again, White Sox win 3-0, open the series here on Friday, May 7th in Kansas City. Uh, we got another one, second of the three games set here on Saturday night, 6.10 p.m. Central start, Central time start uh, in uh, uh, Kansas City. Once again, NBC Sports Chicago, where you can find it uh, for TV. And uh, we got Lance fucking Lynn versus Daniel Lynch. I'm excited. I love Lance Lynn, Steve. You know that. Who doesn't love Lance Lynn at this point? I, l- listen, this guy, and I, and I talked about this in a number of post-game shows, and I know, Johnny, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I love the fucking bulldog mentality that Lance Lynn has. You know what? You're getting 95% fastballs. Hit it if you can, you son of a bitch. I don't care. I'm coming right at you. I'm not scared. I'm going to give you my best. You know what? You might beat me, but I don't think you're going to. And just the way his his mindset and his mentality out there on the mound, I love that. I love seeing those guys that just go out there with no fear whatsoever and and just pump strikes and go right at the hitter from the outset and and just put the pedal to the metal right away and say, let's go, you son of a bitch. And seeing that out of, out of Lance Lynn, that's, that's a lot of fun. Daniel Lynch, um, this is a guy that this is – 
one of the Royals' top overall pitching prospects. Real solid, um, you know, ar- arsenal of stuff right there. Got some real nasty secondary uh, stuff with his slider. He's got a, a hard wipeout slider. I was watching his major league debut against the Indians the other night. He looked very good with it. So he he's a guy he's going to try to utilize that slider to put hitters away. So hopefully early in counts, Sox are able to kind of sit on fastballs there, get themselves into some hitters counts so that they can kind of take away the utilization of that slider. And I'm thinking that, you know, left-handed pitcher on the mound. I, I feel like Jose Abreu is going to going to go splash down into the fountain tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can definitely see that. Um, you know, uh, first of all, Lance Lynn, uh, because uh, I thank you for the scouting report on Daniel Lynch. Didn't know too much about him, but it will be just his second career start here uh, that he's making against the White Sox on Saturday night. And like you mentioned, lefty. So hopefully, uh, like you said, Jose Abreu and some of the other big bats, German Mercedes could be a one there too uh, to kind of tee off Tim Anderson, always a candidate there as well. Uh, but as just getting back to Lance Lynn real quick, thank you, Soxide Mike94. Uh, the comment here, Lance Lynn, I don't care who the hell is at the plate. I'm striking you out you saw that early in the season his first start against the angels uh with mike trout uh just gassing him and john boy did that video breakdown of you know go, go and hit it if you can like you said just, just it's here that's what i'm gonna throw it's smoke i'm telling you it's coming it's coming try and hit it that's lance lynn i love it bulldog mentality like you mentioned uh also of note it is his second start back from the il obviously i think he only went six in that win. they did win that game against cleveland uh last saturday uh, back at home um so this will be his second uh start back i would imagine he goes a little bit longer than that as long as things are going swimmingly and the white Sox are able to put up a few runs for him uh, i don't think that should be an issue i think we should be able to see about seven uh maybe even more uh out of lance lynn tomorrow uh that's what i'm looking for so uh time for picks to click uh, I'll let you lead this one off, Steve. Yeah, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to have to go with Jose Abreu. I think he's I think he's going into the fountain tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. Uh, you know, it, it would I, I I'm torn here because I want I, I said Yerman Mercedes when I, when I was adding on to your comment about Abreu there. That's you know just another big righty bat, a lot of power. Wouldn't be surprised to see him go splash as well. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna go Tim Anderson, and I think you could see a long ball possibly. Uh, but this is you know an aggressive hitter lefty uh, young starter uh, on the mound I think Tim Anderson is going to just take it to him um, so uh, that's uh, that's where I'm going and I you know we, we had the split tonight where me and Tony went Nick Madrigal you and Buzz uh, went Tim Anderson so that played out well for you uh, with the uh, leadoff double in that uh, I was at the sixth inning there for the White Sox so that worked out Nick Madrigal not didn't fare as well so I need to get back on track and I think Timmy a uh, good candidate I'll slide over to what your guys pick was tonight uh, for Saturday night's game so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to tell you the truth if timmy goes out there and tries to nuke the first pitch tomorrow oh i i could easily that would be that would be great to start off with some fireworks i'd love it yeah sign me up yeah sign me up i, I love it so um but i don't have too much else uh you got anything else to add uh, before i do our little housekeeping we get out of here i think we hit on all all points here let's let's get a winning streak here tomorrow let's go out yep. there let's wrap up this series Yep, uh, start start of winning streak. Let's win a series here. Um, you know, uh, Lance Lynn on the mound, baby. You gotta love it. You, you gotta love it. The energy is just a little bit, you know, heftier uh, when when you got the the hefty guy on the mound in Lance Lynn. And another Saturday start worked out well last Saturday uh, back at home. Like I said, second one off the IL now, so uh, should be even a little bit longer here. Uh, that's what I'm expecting from Saturday's game. So, uh, thank you for tuning in, everybody who's in the live. Uh, if you are not in the live, this will be available in podcast form uh, right after we are done. So uh, you can go and listen to there as well wherever you find your podcasts uh, make sure you are going to ontapsportsnet.com so you can find articles like steve wrote today about the white Sox pitching picking up the slack uh, with the major injuries there but that's ontapsportsnet.com uh, and following us on social media 
at Sox on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. And as always, Grandstand is the place to go for all your White Sox and Chicago sports merchandising needs. You can visit them at GrandstandSox.com to shop online and just view their inventory. And you can also follow them on social media at Grandstand Sox where they post some new releases, some cool stuff that is in their store there. So definitely worth the follow over at Grandstand Sox. Steve, I ain't got anything else except three words, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.